Hi, welcome to another college football show. Arkansas and Texas are coming off top defeats. In week six, they look to get back into the winning groove on the early slate on Saturday. The Razorbacks lost the shootout to Ole Miss and now have to deal with an Auburn team that was manhandled by Georgia. Texas was stunned by Oklahoma after surging to an early lead, and the Horns face Oklahoma State next. And our BetUS College crew will give you the lowdown on this and other games in opening window. Kyle is coming off a big week that saw him go 4-1 while his teammates each picked their share of winners. Gary Siggers is joined by experts Kyle Hunter and Parker Fleming to break down every game of the regular season as well as the latest injuries and the best college football betting advice right here in a few seconds. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is the Week 9 Early Slate Show, and we have got some bangers this weekend. Good gracious, I am excited about another fantastic week of college football. Hopefully you are all as well. Uh, you all are. Hopefully I can speak correctly today. Good gracious, starting off the show uh, pleasantly, I can tell. So let's go ahead and bring in our experts and go ahead and, and give you the rundown on exactly who they are. On the left side of your screen, we have Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter, at Stats of War. He is our numerical guru, as I like to call him, our stats guy, our analyst, all these different names that means he's really smart and pulls a whole lot of numbers. So, uh, Parker, at last week, a little little rough on the raw numbers, but uh, but overall, another fantastic weekend. Everything felt great. How about you? Yeah, well, I, Gary, I want to tout your record. What were you? You were uh, six and two, five and uh, five and five, two last five, week. Five two and one, five two and hey, one. Man, thanks, Western Kentucky, for the uh, oh, for yeah. the push. <laughs> yeah, Western Kentucky got me too. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, not not awful. I was I was underwater, but nothing too bad, and definitely uh, got some good feelings about some games this weekend. And um, yeah, man, we're just cruising along. Uh, we always look positively at every result because it's just another data point that's going to help us towards the end of the season, right? That's the way I like to look at it. Kyle Hunter on the right side. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, uh, another another winning weekend, of course. You uh, you keep racking these things up. If we could all go three and two every weekend, I I, I think we'd all be happy, right? Absolutely, three and two weekends are great. Um, it's always nice to have that big weekend. And Gary, what what a weekend you had last weekend. I feel a little bit guilty that I peer pressured you into taking the uh, the total in that Bama game. Although, you know, going into the fourth quarter, that one didn't look that terrible. And then they just went nuts in the fourth quarter. Obviously, Tennessee's uh, um, explosive plays. They, they only had, what, nine or ten first downs late in the fourth yes. quarter. But, you know, Ugh. great week. Uh, we don't need to dwell on the losers. We talk about the fact that we've had a positive season here thus far. And guys, what a slate of games this week. Amazing. You have got that right. I, I can dwell on that Alabama-Tennessee game for hours. Uh, but we won't. We won't. Uh, that whole game, that that under was lost, specifically because of mistakes made by Alabama in the first half. Just completely, completely destroyed me. Um, but uh, all in all, 5-2-1 and one on the weekend, not bad. And since we're talking about records anyway... Let's go ahead and talk about the recap. Let's give you a rundown of what we have done thus far this season. I am sitting at 30 wins, 25 losses, and three pushes. That's out of 58 picks. Uh, so not bad. Not bad. I got the record climbing back up. 
Kyle is sitting at 26 and 16. So 26 wins, 16 losses out of 42 picks. And Parker, 69 picks. He's got 32 wins, 34 losses, and three pushes. But I, I have a strong feeling about this weekend because there are some games that both Parker and myself like. And, uh, and I, I think he's going to get back over that 500. All in all, 169 picks made on this show. We are 88 wins, 75 losses, and six pushes. That's not too shabby. That is not too, that is profitable, my friends. And that is what we are looking for week in and week out. Let me go ahead and tell you that you need to subscribe to the channel. <laughs> I don't know how much plainer to make it. We are hitting all of our goals very early, but now we're setting new ones. So now that we have new goals, we need you to subscribe to the channel. Make sure and hit that like button. Uh, I, I see way more people watching right now than have liked the video. So go ahead and like the video for us if you would so kindly. And make sure and hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live every single week. We do it on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. We do it on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. It, it doesn't get much more simple than that. But just in case you forget, that's what that notification bell is for. So subscribe, hit the bell, and make sure and jump into the chat. We are going to do a Q&A at the end of every show. We have every week. Uh, any games that we do not hit on, you can toss them in there, and we will hit it at the end of the show, give you an opinion on why we did not feel strongly about it one way or the other. Uh, so go ahead and toss that in there, and make sure and toss out your picks. We want to see what you guys are doing as well. You can throw them in the comments after the show or just in the chat right now, and the chat is lit up right now. Scott and Trey and Jerry and Steven and Taylor, all you guys, we appreciate you for watching. Thanks for coming back every single week. Uh, share out the show for us. Tell your friends about it. That's the way that we are growing. Uh, you guys are the marketing budget. So tell your friends. Let us know what's going on uh, with, with the show and everything. Um, we will also remind you to make sure that you sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. It is America's premier sports network, uh, sports book, I will tell you. It's fantastic. I can't stress it. I know that I'm on the channel, but I absolutely love the sports book. Go to BetUS.com. Use the promo code NCAAF2021, and it will get you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and that is sports book exclusive. That's, it's not going to a casino or anything like that. You just get to gamble on games all the time with this bonus. So go ahead and sign up over at BetUS. Again, the promo code NCAAF2021. And there is a link in the description. In case you forget that promo code, you can just click that thing. It's going to toss it in there for you. Gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive into uh, a fantastic slate of football games. A Halloween weekend. This is going to be awesome. Game number one on the board. We're going to talk about a Thursday night game. Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Troy heads to Coastal Carolina. And the Shants are a 17-point home favorite. Total of 51 and a half. And the Shots took their first loss last week. You know, they had kind of been rolling everybody, uh, but they got their first loss on the road at App State. It's that that whole, you know, home underdog weeknight game again. Grabbed them on Wednesday night. Uh, Coastal did win this matchup last year, 42-38. to 38. Uh, But Troy, 3-1 and one against the spread against Coastal all-time, 2-2 two and two straight up. Uh, Troy, 2-5 and five against the spread so far this year. Uh, they are two, four, and one to the under in Coastal, five and two against the spread. Uh, the overs are are three and four for them. Guys, this is uh, an intriguing matchup because Troy should be better <laughs> than they are. Their offense 
has not been able to score this year for whatever reason. Chip Lindsey starting to feel uh, a little pressure down there from what I've been told with, with people that are in the know. Uh, this is kind of a big game for Troy. They are number 21 in defensive points per drive. Coastal number two in offensive points per drive. Uh, but Troy just cannot get it done. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that they will be able to score enough to keep this game close. However, I do wonder if if Coastal maybe is still reeling a little bit from last week's loss, or if they show up pissed off. Uh, let's start off with you first, Kyle. I I don't know what to make of this. Troy's roster is talented and definitely talented enough to stay in this game, uh, but Troy can't figure it out on the offensive side. What uh what do you see in this? One? Yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about here is the total. Um, you guys know I'm a big totals guy. So 77% of the bets on the under, 98% of the money so far on the under. So we have one-way action pretty much here. 15 to 20 miles per hour wind and rain in the forecast for this game. My totals number is several points higher than the number right now. Having said that, I've learned over the years not to mess with these weather games, especially in college football. If you like an over and the weather looks pretty bad, it's it's usually better to just pass. Uh, I know that you can win some of those, but long-term, those have been really good to the under in the long run. Having said that, we get to the total that we're at right now. It's hard to take an under. Um, you look at the last two years, 42 to 38 and 36-35, the finals in those. So we're way under that already here. I think the adjustment has been made in the marketplace, and I, I couldn't bet an under at this point now. So both teams have played a really easy schedule so far this year. Troy 51st in yards per play margin, Coastal second in yards per play margin. This Troy run defense is really good. You know, Troy is not a very good team. They should be better than what they've been, but they do have a good run defense. So the way that that would make me lean in this game, if it is rainy and windy, um, we know forecasts can change. So keep an eye on that as it gets a bit closer. But uh, this Troy run defense fourth in yards per carry allowed so far this year. Coastal, if they need to throw more often, could be a little bit more difficult uh, for them to throw it around. A big dog, fairly low total. I have to lean toward Troy in this game, but I'm not going to bet this one. I I tend to agree. It it sounds it sounds like the perfect formula for Troy to be able to keep this within the number. Um, but again, this offense just just has not been good. They have been slightly improved. Uh, since Gunnar Watson's return, they've had two straight wins, but it's low scores. I mean, it's absolutely low scores. They're only averaging 4.9 yards per play on the season. Uh, that is not great. Parker, um, you know, the, the Coastal game last week surprised, I think, pretty much everybody. Uh, only able to, to, I mean, it was less than 100 yards rushing against App State's defense. And App State's defense has been good, but we didn't see it being good enough to uh, to slow down this this Coastal Carolina unit. Give me, give me your thoughts here. What, uh, what are some numbers maybe we should look at? Yeah, definitely. Last last week, Coastal, especially like their first touchdown drive, they needed a, a third and long pass interference to extend that drive, and so definitely felt like App State was able to disrupt them. Um, and I'm I'm a little disappointed in them. Uh, again, on paper, this is a game that that should uh, that, that Coastal Carolina should win comfortably, but my relationship with them is a little tenuous right now. So I, I'm not picking it because I don't trust them right after that performance. Also, something I haven't studied empirically, Gary, but maybe I want to flag for the offseason. Um, if you'll allow me to nerd out for a second, Coastal is now they they had uh, they played on October 7th and then they played October 20th and then now midweek again. So three of their three their last three games, they had a huge break 
and then they had a midweek game. And so I wonder if that hasn't messed with, you know, something in their practice or routine, something basically having, you know, almost two weeks off in the middle of the season and then two midweek games. That being said, um, this is a really good team still. And, and they lost a close game. They they had opportunities to win and just couldn't do it. It was a home game midweek, all that stuff. Um, I, I really think that they'll be able to score well. Um, this Troy defense isn't awful by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, again, you've got to uh, adjust it for the schedule. But you've got to look at um, they're 26th in EPA per pass. They're 11th in EPA per rush allowed. Um, and so they're, they're, you know, kind of stout. Then again, the quarterback play is what's going to matter here. Grayson McCall is is first in uh, just a completion percentage. Troy, pending who's playing, has has had a really high top 20 adjust to completion percentage number as well. Um, and so I think there'll be some good quarterback play here. But I really do think all the advantages um, are over towards Coastal Carolina. One thing you said about the offense that I that that I kind of had circled about this game, um, their points per quality possession, their points per echo is 2.97. That's 121st in the nation. Gary, when they get across the 40, they're scoring less than a field goal. First down across the 40, less than a field goal. That is not going to fly, especially against their weak schedule. Um, the other thing, they're 107th on early downs EPA, expected points added, whereas Coastal Carolina is 25th on defense on first and second downs. So I think that Coastal will be able to frustrate this offense. Um, the question is, will will wind, weather, pace, uh, allow Coastal to score enough to cover. Um, and so this is a lot of points. Coastal's kind of had a weird schedule. And, you know, I, I think Troy theoretically could pass the ball and their defense will be a little frustrating. So I don't have a strong lean um, either either way, and that's kind of why I'm staying away from it. That's, I tend to agree with you. I don't trust either of these teams right now. After what I saw from Coastal last week, uh, after what I've seen from Troy basically all season, you throw in weather, and then, of course, you throw in the fact that Coastal, to win against Troy last season, it, it came down to, you know, a late second touchdown drive for whatever reason. I mean, it, Coastal was uh, very, very much the better team last year than Troy, and and still, Troy had a lead with less than a minute left in the ballgame. So, I, uh, I will stay away from this as well. There will be no official pick on this game. We did want to hit a Thursday game, but, uh, but this one... At some of these lines this week are just right around the number. So it, it, no value one way or the other. Uh, Big Trouble Jack jumped in. He said Troy stinks. Uh, and then Steven said, I like the over in this game. Um, hey, betting overs when there's uh, wind and rain. Uh, cheers to you, my friend. Cheers to you. All right, let's move into another weeknight game. And we are going to move over to Friday. Navy heads to Tulsa. It's Friday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Tulsa is the 11-point favorite here at home. Total of 47, so not a ton of points here, and yet a double-digit favorite. Tulsa won this game 19-6 to last year. Uh, Tulsa is 1-3 against the spread in their last four as a double-digit favorite. Navy, 5-1 straight up, 4-1-1 against the spread the last six against the Golden Hurricanes. And, you know, if you look at the season overall, these two teams, about the same. Navy 4-3 against the spread, Tulsa 3-4 against the spread so far this year, neither uh, outperforming a whole lot. Tulsa has three wins on the season. The margins in those wins were by seven, by six, and by one point. And that's it. Uh, but they have played strong against some of the better competition. Of course, it stayed in the game a lot longer against Ohio State than anybody anticipated. Stayed in the game uh, the entire time against a uh, an Oklahoma State team that was ranked in the top ten up until last week. So it, it's a it's a whole different 
variation of things that you get from Tulsa week in and week out. This is also a team that lost at home to UC Davis to start the season. So uh, this this matchup is definitely interesting. Parker, we'll start off with you. Um, I, I don't trust Tulsa uh, to be able to run away from really anybody, especially a Navy team that is, again, highly volatile, but but can you know maybe keep the ball away from them. Uh, you got any numbers that, that might help me out with this one? Yes, Tulsa in 2021 is a great example of why the transitive property does not hold in college football, right? They lost to UC Davis. They were feisty with Ohio State. That does not mean that UC Davis would take Ohio State down to the wire. Um, in this game this week, I think the, uh, a couple things stand out to me. One, I have this razor thin just under 11 points um, in my line. Uh, I'd actually lean more towards the under of 47. Uh, I had it closer to uh, 39, so so I have some flexibility there. Um, I like that Tulsa can pass the ball successfully, 36th in passing success rate. They're not very explosive, 62nd in EPA per pass, but they're very efficient um, in kind of taking what's there in that offense in the pass game. Navy's pass defense is 86th in EPA per pass, so I think they'll definitely try and exploit that uh, because Navy's a little bit better against the rush on defense, 47th overall. Tulsa has been rushing it a lot. They're 73rd in early downs rush rate. So it'll be interesting to see if they kind of switch things up to try and attack Navy, um, given that the rush pass split is a little bit different. The other thing that um, makes me think that uh, I, would, I would slightly lean towards Tulsa is Tulsa's pass defense, 73rd. Their rush defense, 77th. Whereas Navy is 128th in the pass EPA, 95th in the rush. So a little bit of a balance in the passing game towards Tulsa. And I think that that will matter a lot more here. Um, granted, Tulsa's defense uh, is 81st in success rate against the pass, but they're 64th against the rush. So they're, they're doing a little bit better at limiting that efficiency in the rush game. So you couple all those together, Tulsa efficient pass. Uh, their pass defense is good enough to kind of cover anything Navy might pull over the top. And I think that they'll kind of deny that rush consistency for Navy. So I'd lean Tulsa here. Um, but with the total being this low, with these teams both being up and down, I don't see a ton of value. So I don't have a play, but I would I would slightly lean Tulsa. And now, Kyle, uh, Navy 5-2 and two, their last seven as a 10-plus point dog. They tend to pop up in spots where you don't expect them to, right? Last week, they are a four-touchdown underdog to Cincinnati, and their post-game win expectancy was 90%, uh, just kind of surprising the way that they were able to perform last week. Uh, can they get back up again less than a week later? Of course, a, a weeknight game heading to Tulsa. Uh, you know, it, total is is low, and again, it's another double-digit favorite. Uh, you, got any, uh, you got any thoughts on this one? Yeah, Gary, I think I'm a little bit salty uh, from Navy. A couple of weeks ago, both you and I had Navy against Memphis. And then where was that effort that we saw against Cincinnati uh, in that game against Memphis? Uh, obviously, Memphis has that explosive offense that can kind of beat you with the big plays. And uh, Navy has struggled with that. Uh, you know, that's something that Tulsa is not very good at. Tulsa is 120th in explosiveness on offense. So, uh, I don't think Tulsa is the type of offense that will score a lot of points on Navy. Navy's great at playing keep away with those methodical long drives, certainly. Their offensive line play has improved in recent, recent weeks. And then also um, with the coaching change and then the quarterback change, they have played a little bit better on offense. This is not to say Navy has a really good offense by any means, but at least they can keep uh, the opposition off the field a little bit better. 
Uh, it's important too to say that Tulsa is 69th in strength of schedule, according to Sagarin. and Navy is 22nd. So a pretty big difference there. And also Tulsa ranks 129th in special teams grade at PFF. They've had some major special teams problems. I don't like laying points with a low total to start with. Then you take a team that's not that explosive, and then they have special teams problems. And guys, I know um, I've said this many times, but it is a good system. Small underdog, low total, uh, dogs of 3 to 14 points with a total of 48 or lower, 56.3% uh, uh, over the last 15 years. And that's a sample size of over 900 games. So um, that would fit Navy in this one. Uh, I would certainly lean Navy in this game. That is the way that I'm going. I am trusting the quarterback, Ty Lavatai. I uh, I went back and actually watched the video to make sure that I pronounced <laughs> that name correctly. But Ty Lavatai uh, played last week. He got knocked out of the Memphis game, and, and maybe that had something to do with them not being able to cover. Uh, he played the majority of the game, so I'm not going to blame it on that. But uh, Tulsa's quarterback, Davis Brin, only completing 54% of his passes so far in October, uh, and he's got a 10-touchdown to 10-interception ratio right now, and that ain't great. At Navy's defense is not anything, you know, to to gasp at or anything. I mean, it's not their they're not amazing, as Parker already detailed, but uh, but they're not awful. You know, they can certainly make some plays, especially if the other quarterback is going to give them the ball. If you give this Navy offense more opportunities to hold on to the football. Uh, I don't trust Tulsa to be able to get past that 11 points that they would need. So I will certainly certainly ride with Navy. Let's go ahead and make it an official play. I'm the only one that is going to fall on this sword. And I understand it because Navy has cost us in the past. And I get that. But I'm a ride with the midshipmen again. Navy plus 11 is an official play for me. Uh, and I have not done well on these weeknight games. Guys, I went back and looked and I am I, I don't have it in front of me, but I am pretty bad on this. So so take this, you know, at, at your own risk, basically. <laughs> let's uh let's go ahead and move into the Saturday slate, and we are starting with the nooner here, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time, Iowa. Heads to Wisconsin. At this is an old-school Big Ten-type matchup. This is what I like to see. Uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, all that good stuff. The Badgers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home, a total of 37 points. I was shocked that they actually made the total less than 40 points, but you almost have to here. Uh, if this game gets into the 20s, I will be, what, what's a good word, flabbergasted. I'll be flabbergasted. How's that? Uh, I don't think there's any way these two teams score that many points. Last year, Iowa won this game 28-7. to Iowa is 2-4 and four straight up, 3-3 three and three against the spread, their last six against Wisconsin. It's been a pretty even series for the most part. So far this year, Iowa 5-2 and two against the number. Uh, the unders have hit five out of seven games for the Hawkeyes. Wisconsin, surprisingly, uh, the unders have only hit four out of three games, and a lot of that has to do with the turnover issues. They don't appear to have turnover issues uh, anymore, from what I can tell. Uh, and, and the biggest part of this is they took the ball out of Graham Mertz's hands. If you're not throwing the football, you can't throw interceptions. I think it's very easy to figure that out. Um, they are running the ball 77% of the time over their last three games. The Badgers are. Um I think I think that's the smartest thing that they could have done. Kyle, let's start off with you first on this one. Wisconsin is a scary team to bet on. However, uh, you look at all of the advanced stats, and they certainly should be favored in this spot. 
Is there anything you think Iowa can do to to limit uh, Wisconsin running the football and making Graham Mertz make a mistake? So, uh, Gary, rein me in if I if I start going a little bit too long about this one. This is a fascinating handicap. I love this game. Um, you know, I think everything with the stats, it makes a lot of sense that you would want to bet um, Wisconsin in this game. Because if you look at all the numbers here, Wisconsin plus 1.27 yards per play margin, Iowa plus 0.26 yards per play. So a big difference there. Uh, Wisconsin certainly has been a turnover machine. Question is, have they fixed that problem? Uh, I am not convinced that Wisconsin can run the football on Iowa here. And I think that's the key. You know, can they actually run the football? Purdue, really poor tackling in last week's game. I know I'm I'm a bit salty about this one, too, because I had the under, and that one ended up losing because Purdue had all those turnovers in their own end, and then it goes over by a couple points. Um, having said that, um, you know, a guy like Parker with all his stats, I would think that, you know, you have to take Wisconsin in this kind of spot. And I, I totally understand that. On the other hand, I've seen Graham Mertz so many times fall into that turnover bugaboo. I'm not convinced that he's fixed this problem. And you look at who's on the other side and you say, gosh, Iowa is going to force so many turnovers here. And they might start on the 25-yard line uh, away from scoring three or four times. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. That's the thing that makes this a really tricky bet for me. Because uh, numbers-wise, I think Wisconsin would be the bet. Uh, but Iowa's in a good spot. They're off a of bye week. They lost that game. Um, you know, this again fits the system of a small uh, underdog with a low total that's a 56.3%. So if I were betting a side here, I would have to bet Iowa plus the points. As far as the total, 37. Oh, gosh, man, this is a brutal one. Uh, I made the total just a little bit lower than this. I can't take under 37, guys. I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> you price me out when you put it at 37. You know, we get uh, Iowa, a couple of special teams or, or uh, pick six, you're done. That's it. Having said that, I see, um, you know, someone in the chat was saying they they like the over in this one. Uh, the over in this game is so scary. I mean, you know, if, if you like the over in this game, it's it's probably not going to be a fun game to watch. You might win, but, um, you know, like I said, fascinating handicap. Graham Mertz, the thing about this one to me, Mertz is just so inconsistent. If you look at his uh, yearly total, 7.5% turnover-worthy plays, very, very high. Um, I don't trust him against this Iowa defense. So although the stats suggest Wisconsin is the play, I'm going to go against that with my lean for Iowa, but not an official play for me. Uh, what what if I told you that the quarterback that is turning the ball over more in the month of October is actually on the other side? Spencer Petras has five interceptions in October. Now, obviously, he had four against Purdue. That was still in the month of October. And Graham Mertz only has one so far this month. Uh, again, you take the ball out of Graham Mertz's hands and you can have a lot of success. They have gotten back to Wisconsin football again, like I said, running 77% of the time. Um, Parker, I, I, I must say, uh, Wisconsin, you know, averaging 5.8 yards per run in their last three games, they have kind of figured some stuff out. They are not asking, uh, their players to do things that they're not capable of at this point, And it's paid off pretty well. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on the Badgers and the Hawkeyes. I'm going to make a very nuanced argument. One, my projected total here is hilarious. It's 21 points total. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, you guys know I don't really. I, I kind of price in special teams a little bit, but but mostly focus on you know long field drive on drive. So I'm sure that there'll be some more points in that. But um, I think the nuanced argument I'm going to make is that Iowa's defense is excellent. 
Wisconsin's defense. Excellent. Everyone sees, you know, the, the, the casual observer, not not us here in the chat, so I'm talking to nobody. I'm preaching the choir. But, you know, you see that game against Notre Dame, like, oh, they gave up, you know, 40 points. And that's not really how that works. Um, the defense is really, really good for Wisconsin. I think every bit as good as Iowa's defense, maybe not in the forcing turnovers uh, aspect of the game, but in the um, – in the making uh, a, a team beat you uh, way, I think Wisconsin's absolutely there. And I will say, Wisconsin has been running a lot more. They are uh, 60, 67.8 early downs rush rate is 123rd. They're going to make Spencer Petras try and beat them, just like Iowa is going to commit to stopping the run and trying to get Graham Mertz to beat them. Did you guys ever have a um, like a mean math teacher in high school? I remember having a mean math teacher in high school, and I would like have a nightmare where she was like, you didn't have your homework, and she was awful. And... Spencer Petrus is like the nightmare version of your mean math teacher, whereas Graham Mertz <laughs> is the math teacher in reality. Like, they're both awful, but Spencer Petrus is not a good quarterback. Um, and so I, I think that the one argument I'll make is that Wisconsin's offense is 53rd in EPA per rush. Nothing about Iowa's offense is better than 70th, um, except for starting field position. And again, that special teams, that's largely, largely reflective of the defense. So I think that this will be slow and plotting. Wisconsin, 19th on uh, percent of uh, first downs on, on first and second down. And so what that means is they're they're awful on third downs. They're 110th, right? But they're at least getting first downs regularly and, and extending drives. Iowa, on the other hand, 68th in uh, percent of first downs on first and second down and 86th on late downs. They're just awful all around. So I think Wisconsin will have some sustained success. This is going to be a heavyweight bout, punch for punch, very few possessions here. I'm going to go with Wisconsin because I think that they have been adaptive in how to make sure that Mertz is not in the spotlight and is not going to make those those huge plays that are going to um, completely put the game out of reach. And I like Wisconsin's offense just a little bit more than I like Iowa's. So I'm going to take Wisconsin at home uh, with with three and a half. I, uh, I don't uh, mind that play at all. Now, I'm going to stay away from it, but this does kind of – Again, we talk about college football seasons as uh, an ever-changing organism. Everything changes throughout week to week. And Wisconsin had to deal with their adversity uh, early, right? So they, they had to be adaptive. They had to figure out what they do correctly and then lean into that. Iowa started out hot from the get-go. I mean, just immediately and started having massive success. Got all the way up to number two in the country and then, of course, you falter to Purdue. You got to figure out this Wisconsin uh, behemoth that you got to go up against this week. I, I don't know that they have fully adapted yet. Wisconsin, at this point in the season, seems like they are probably the better football team, but I'm going to stay away because we have all seen Iowa uh, make fools out of me before. So, uh, so we will stay off of that. But as far as an official play, let's go ahead and make Parker's official. He is rolling with the Badgers, minus three and a half. And, uh, and I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But Kyle and I are both going to pass on it because, ooh, this just seems like something that would make me look very foolish, and uh, and I don't I don't want to be in the business of doing that. So, uh, we will move on to another Big Ten matchup and another 12 p.m. Eastern Time game, and this is the one where everybody's going. Both undefeated since 2010, or both uh, undefeated for the first time since 2010, um, and the first top ten matchup between the two since uh, 1964. So we have not had this all that often. Michigan, heading to Michigan State, the Wolverines and the Spartans. The Spartans are a four-point underdog at home, total of 50. Again, just to rehash, the Spartans' win total on the season was four and a half. 
and they're currently sitting at 7-0 and and a top 10 ranked team. Michigan State actually won this one last year, uh, 27 to 24. They did not have many wins on the year, but they certainly got up for this game. It was uh, the Rocky Lombardi show. Of course, he is now the quarterback over at NIU. But, uh, but yeah, they have absolutely overperformed everything that they were expected to do so far this season. Uh, they're playing with house money, as we like to say. Uh, anything that happens in this game will be fine. It's whatever. Uh, but they do have higher hopes now that they are in the top 10 with, uh, I, I guess, quote-unquote, big brother coming to town. They think that they can handle them. If you look overall, um, Michigan State, 6-4 and four straight up, 8-2 and two against the spread in their last 10 against Michigan. Uh, but if you go further back, they are actually 9-4 and four, uh, straight up in the last 13. I mean, they have kind of owned this series, but Michigan got it back rolling towards the end of D'Antonio, all that good stuff. Uh, Parker, I want to go with you first on this one. Four points seemed crazy. If you look at the stats and you just look at the fact that, oh, overall talent, Michigan is so much better. They had higher expectations coming into the season, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like the easy play would be Michigan, especially if you look at special teams, you look at everything else. Uh, but there is something about this Michigan State team that uh, that I really, really – there's a lot of resiliency from Mel Tucker's bunch. Give me your thoughts on, on Sparty and the Wolverines. Yes, I'll say first, I bet this earlier this week at four and a half. And so there was a little bit more value with that extra half point, I think. But I, I still like this at four pretty well right now. Um, what, what really stands out for me is kind of Michigan's offense is 23rd in EPA per play. But they're 40th against the pass and 26th against the rush. Um, Michigan State's defense is 34th. And they're 37th against the pass, 41st against the rush. So uh, I think that they match up really, really nicely. Michigan is actually really explosive in the passing game uh, relative to how efficient they are. They're 79th in passing success rate. And so with Michigan State's performance on defense, which is being a home game, I think that's going to be the edge that keeps it close is, sure, Michigan might break off a couple big plays, but are they going to be able to kind of clean up around that? Um, which leads into the second point here that, that I like for um, just just for the matchup. Michigan, 10th overall in third and fourth down success this season on offense. Michigan State's defense is only 54th. If you flip that to the other side, uh, Michigan State, 91st in third and fourth down success and 20, uh, 23rd for Michigan's defense. So third downs, I think Michigan needs to be able to take those shots knowing that they'll do a little bit better on third down and kind of extend drives. The key reason I think that Michigan State keeps this close, the third, third reason here, early downs EPA, right? Uh, Michigan State is eighth in the nation. Uh, Michigan State's, de- or excuse me, this is very confusing. The Spartans are eighth <laughs> in early down uh, EPA, and the Wolverines are 31st on defense. So I think Michigan State's offense, if it can strike, will strike early, and that's will be where a lot of the value comes from. And uh, I think that Michigan's offense is going to need a little bit more efficiency than they've shown to really pull away here. So I like Moneyline Michigan, but I really like uh, I really like Michigan State to keep us close, added on to the fact that this is a rivalry game. Um, and so I'm going to have an official pick with Michigan State. I would also throw – I would lean to the over here. Um, I've got I've got over by, by more than a touchdown. That's not an official play. That one's just free. You can have that. You guys can have that one. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. I like it. I like it. Uh, both of these teams, you know, moving over to Kyle, uh, Michigan six and one against the spread so far this year, Michigan state five, one and one. Uh, these two teams are exceeding expectations. Uh, both of them. I mean, just uh, very surprising that we have gotten to this point, uh, in the season where these two teams are, you know, undefeated 
looking fantastic thus far. Now, Michigan State, of course, has come back down to earth a little bit, uh, and they have figured out, or other teams have figured out, that if you can bottle up Kenneth Walker III, uh, you can have a lot of success against this team. However, Peyton Thorne has played really well at quarterback for him. They have been able to get out of some tight spots with him. They have not beaten themselves. Uh, the Nebraska game comes to mind. Uh, same for the Michigan game against Nebraska. Nebraska just shot themselves in the foot in both of those games. Um, otherwise, they might have had you know wins in those. Uh, this this game is very interesting to me uh, for multiple reasons. Kyle, I, I want to get your your thought on this because I, the total of fifty is. It, it seems high, but I kind of think with so much variance uh, with these two teams, we, we could certainly see something going kind of haywire with them. I mean, you could also see a Big Ten matchup come out of this, but I can I can see them trying things, pulling different tricks out of the bag, uh, and we would definitely see a total that hits over that 50. Uh, how do you feel about it? So uh, when I look at this game, there's a couple things that stand out to me. You know, everybody says, well, Michigan's clearly the better team here, and we're seeing Michigan laying the points um, here on the road, Michigan has played just a very slightly tougher schedule, 42nd compared to 56. So not a big difference there. Michigan State's sixth in the nation in yards per play margin. Michigan 16th. Um, similar teams, really aggressive defenses. Michigan State 26 sacks already this year. Michigan is extremely run heavy. They they can be explosive in the passing game, but they don't throw it very often. Um, you know, the key battle here is Michigan State trying to stop the run. Uh, can they slow down Michigan running the football? Michigan State's 22nd in yards per carry allowed. I really would expect Michigan State to try to load the box here, uh, try to force McNamara to beat them in this game. On the other side, Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson for Michigan, a tremendous player. In fact, uh, he grades first in the nation of any defensive player at PFF with 100 more than 100 snaps. So how much success can Kenneth Walker have in a game like this? Um, I think Thorne is good. I don't think he's, um, you know, carried the team good. Walker's a really fantastic running back. Michigan has fumbled the ball seven times this year, only, lo only lost two of them. I think there are some regression signs for Michigan. I think they're a good team, certainly. Um, Harbaugh has had a rough time winning these national games. We know that. Um, and yet they're laying four points on the road. Uh, most people seem to not even be thinking twice of that. You know, it seems like a pretty popular play to take Michigan here. Um, I would like Michigan State uh, plus the points if I were taking the side, but I, I like this one to be a grinder, guys. I think this would be a lower scoring game. Uh, I think there's some field goals in a game like this. There is some wind in the forecast for this one, so we'll see as it gets closer. Obviously, that affects things quite a bit. But I think both of these defense do a good enough job not allowing those explosive plays. And that's really important when you get a total like this. So um, I expect a close game here. I think Michigan State certainly has a chance to pull the upset. I will. I like the under here. I can I can roll with that. Uh, I will go ahead and tell you, I'm going to ride with Parker here. I'm going to take Michigan State plus the four. I also betted at four and a half earlier uh, once that line you know had climbed up from opening. I really think Michigan State uh, they will be able to get after the passer. I don't trust Cade McNamara. Uh, I think that their defensive line in their front seven will be able to slow down the rushing game enough. At, for whatever reason, that Rutgers game uh, with Michigan it sticks out to me. I just I, I cannot forget what happened in that ball game. They only averaged like 2.9 yards per carry in that game. There were ways that Rutgers in that front seven were able to slow down Michigan's rushing game, and I kind of expect the same thing here for Michigan State. I, I think they can win the game outright. Uh, even if they don't, I expect this to be a field goal game either way. 
I, I think it will be low scoring. We could certainly see something crazy uh, with special teams touchdowns, defensive touchdowns, whatever. We we all remember uh, the the blocked punt for a touchdown that <laughs> that cost Harbaugh a win in this series early in his tenure. Uh, so you you never know what to expect here. But I will roll Michigan State at home. It's the biggest game on campus in, I mean, as long as I can remember. So we'll uh we'll make it an official play. Parker is going to ride with the uh, the Spartans plus four. I'm going to do the same, and Kyle is going to go under the 50 here. Uh, and this is just a monster matchup. What a what a fun game to talk about. Good gracious. Uh, reminder: Go ahead and tell everybody like the video. I see I see way more people watching than have liked it. You can all hit that thumbs up button. It looks like this. Very easy. Go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Uh, of course, you are watching the Wednesday early slate show, but we also have the Thursday afternoon and evening slate show that's going to be tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure that you hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And, of course, we've already got several people jumping into uh, the chat with Q&A questions for later on, if you've got games that we are not discussing yet, uh, go ahead and toss them in there, and we will we will hit them up at the end of the show. Next game on the board, we are staying in the Big Ten. A Big Ten heavy show today. Indiana heads to Maryland, and Maryland currently a five and a half point favorite, and the total sits at forty nine and a half. Now you don't expect a, a total of forty nine and a half usually with Maryland games, but uh, in this situation, uh, it kind of kind of makes sense. Last year, Indiana won this game 27-11. to Indiana is 5-1 and straight up, 4-2 and against the spread against Maryland in their last six. However, this season, Indiana is 0-6 against the number against FBS competition. Uh, the overs have hit four out of seven games. Uh, I don't believe very much of that is because of Indiana's offense. I will go ahead and tell you that. Maryland... Three and four against the spread this year, and the overs are three and four this year, uh, which is again a little surprising considering we expected Maryland's offense to be explosive. Uh, Tuttle and Penix both injured for Indiana. Who knows who is going to actually play quarterback this week? Uh, two of the top uh, top three Maryland wide receivers, uh, Demas and Jones, are are out for the season now. Uh, the Terps' offense is not nearly as explosive, but at the same time, how in the world does Indiana score? Uh, Kyle. I I mean, this this total seems rather high considering I don't expect either, uh, either team's offense to be able to score here. Yeah, I mean, um, Indiana has shown us multiple times now that they can't score against Big Ten teams. Um, look, I don't, still don't think Ohio State's defense is really good, but, you know, last week Indiana made them look really good. Obviously, it was rainy and they, they're on third and fourth string quarterbacks, but, I mean, they're on third and fourth string quarterbacks in this game too. Um, you know, Penix and Tuttle haven't been tremendous, but, you know, they were first and second string for a reason. And, you know, McCauley was one for six passing for 30 yards against Ohio State. He completed that one kind of fluke play. Grimmel came in three for four for nine yards passing. Um, Indiana's running game is non-existent for years now. They haven't been able to run the football for years. I wouldn't expect them to be able to run the football here. And who, I mean, do we really think they can throw the ball on anybody at this point? Their offensive line is so bad. Uh, Parker's talked about this many times before. Penix under pressure has not been good. Whoever's at quarterback here is going to be under pressure again because they're just very bad offensive line. And, and bottom line is Indiana's offense in this current state is a real mess. Uh, I can't imagine that they would score many. They have 28 points 
and four Big Ten contests, guys. Um, I feel like I'm bashing Indiana a little bit too much. I really don't hate them, the team, but you know, offensively, there's not much positive to say. I do think Indiana's defense is a bit better than they've looked here lately. Um, they still have a defensive-minded coach. They've given up some big plays against really good teams. And Ohio State's offense is excellent, maybe the best offense in the country, I would say. Um, you know, so giving up big plays against teams like that, uh, it's you go to Maryland, it's a pretty big step down, especially without the top two wide receivers. Like uh, Gary said, Demas is a massive injury uh, for Maryland. So they're far less dynamic. I think Michigan has a or Michigan, Maryland has a decent chance to be playing from the lead here. And Maryland playing from the lead has slowed down the tempo a lot in their games this season. So uh, Maryland has shown willing to slow the game down and run more if they have the lead. I think they probably have the lead in a game like this. So the game state looks like it would be helpful to the under. Uh, Maryland has played some really good offenses in recent weeks. So their defensive stats are a bit skewed. You know, as I said, um, not just saying this because I'm a Buckeyes fan, obviously, but they have a big play explosive offense that can make your defensive stats look really bad. Um, I think Maryland's defense is better than what their stats in recent games look. Indiana, a big step down in class. I like the under here. It, it's a pretty low total, but it's a low total for a good reason. I I like it. And with that said, let's go ahead and make it an official play uh, because I don't have a whole lot to say about either one of these teams. <laughs> so, uh, so Indiana and Maryland, uh, Kyle is going to roll with the under 49 and a half. Uh, and I can understand it because, again, I got no idea how they score. Uh, Parker and I will pass on it uh, just because, you know, things can always get a little squirrely here and there. Um, but I, I could totally see it. It makes perfect sense. And since Kyle has taken an under, uh, I'm going to have to match with the total play here. Let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into another Big Ten matchup. This is a four straight here, I see. Uh, but Rutgers heading to Illinois and Illinois, a one and a half point home dog after a big, big win over Penn State. Illinois comes back home, and they're a dog to Rutgers. I mean, how disrespectful to Brett Bielema in that way. Anyway, um, <laughs> the total sits at 42 points. Uh, the total last year ended up being 43. Illinois got the win in 2020, 23-20. Uh, Illinois 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread their last five. Uh, they have got three straight wins in the series here. Uh, Rutgers is – the overs have hit uh, three out of seven games. Uh, so, so definitely like the unders with Rutgers, uh, Illinois, uh, the, the unders are six, one and one so far this season, uh, Illinois keeping teams clamped down, all that good stuff. Kyle, I, I want to get your opinion here. A total of 42 seems really, really low, but if you expect both teams to score in the teens, uh, it really doesn't it, like, it's really not that low, right? You know, this total is as low for a reason, too, Gary, and I, I do like this one uh, a good amount myself. I'm going to at least be personally betting some money on this under. Um, you know, it's interesting to note that Kirby Joseph, the safety for Illinois rates, is the single best safety in the country so far this year at PFF. Illinois' defense is a little bit better than people thought they were going to be. We know that they run the ball a lot. They don't take many chances downfield. Heck, I mean, them and Penn State couldn't score for, what, five overtimes in a row or something like that. You know, that was just a wild, wild game. I think the reason Rutgers is favored here is probably just the spot's not very good here for, for Illinois. You know, coming off that nine-overtime win and beating a big-name team while Rutgers is off a bye. Um, I think the situational handicappers are going to be wanting to bet Rutgers in this one. Having said that, you know, 
I don't think Rutgers has really done anything that would make me excited about betting Rutgers uh, here in this one. Rutgers, really interesting, 13th in success rate allowed on defense, but 114th in explosiveness uh, defensively. So they've given up some really big plays. Again, you know, Ohio State and Michigan State both got a lot of big plays on them. Um, I don't think the same thing would happen in a game like this against Illinois. And, you know, Sitkowski is injured for Illinois. Um, you know, Sitkowski had kind of been playing better than Peters in some of these games lately, which is kind of hard to imagine. Having said that, neither one of them are very good. Um, and Peters isn't 100% healthy, I don't believe. So no, these not. teams yeah. Yeah, these teams are going to be very cautious, I would think, Gary. So a lot of running. You know, I look for, in a low total, um, a low enough uh, tempo, and I think we're going to see a slow enough tempo in this one. And I don't think either team is explosive enough on offense. That I think we're going to see moving clock, uh, pretty low scoring game here. So this, to me, looks like one of those games that probably stays in the 30s. That's uh, that's exactly the way I'm leaning here. Rutgers averaging 11.5 points per game their last four against Big Ten competition. Uh, Illinois, same thing, 11.5 points per game last four against the Big Ten. Uh, they don't give up a lot. They don't score a lot. Uh, both of these teams. So, so I kind of, kind of expect, and we we got Stephen jumping in here. Big Trouble Jackson. Illinois has given up 89 points in their last five games. Uh, yeah, but those teams weren't Rutgers. Like, <laughs> there's there's a big difference here. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and make this official. My formula looks at this as having a total of 33.82 points. Uh, so I am going to ride with the under. 42 here and i know it's a low under i got it at 42 and a half i still like it at 42 i would like this thing all the way down to about 41 42 is a good key number here uh so i'll stay at 42 and uh and take the under here because i i think i mean we we might be looking at like a 13 to 10 ball game and i feel good about that so moving on we got to get parker back involved here so let's move over to the big 12 and let's talk texas and baylor uh what a what a great graphic! I love that. <laughs> Baylor is a three point favorite at home. Total of sixty one and a half. Texas won this game last year, twenty seven to sixteen. Both teams are coming off of a bye. Texas five and one straight up, three two and one against the spread in their last six. Uh, however, oh two and one against the spread in the last three against Baylor. So, uh, very interesting stuff here uh, as far as the betting trends go. Texas four and three against the spread so far this year. Baylor three, uh, sorry, five and two against the spread. Baylor has hit the over in five out of seven games. Uh, you know, you you start looking at at basic overall stuff like net points per drive. Baylor sits at number sixteen. Uh, hey, I never even talked about the uh, the actual. No, I did. Total of sixty one and a half. Uh, the spread is sitting at Baylor minus three. Uh, Baylor number sixteen in net points per drive. Texas number twenty seven in that regard. This Texas defense. I mean, they're giving up. 0.483 points per play here uh, in their last three, 94% scoring in the red zone, 43.75% um, opponent third downs like that. This Texas defense has not shown up. Parker, uh, tell me what is going on with, with the Longhorns. I thought this defense would be better this season because they, they brought in the Washington defensive coordinator. I, I felt good about it. But, man, they have been playing awful for the last three weeks. Uh, situationally, maybe sometimes some good things. But I I don't like what they've been overall. 
Yeah, they're definitely a disappointing unit, especially when you consider um, the talent that Texas, the talent advantage that Texas has over everyone on their schedule except Oklahoma, which is substantial and overwhelming in every position. Um, and it, well, their, their defense has been really bad against the rush, and that's really drugged them down. 89th in EPA per rush. A lot of that is fueled by um, they're, they're, they're really bad at field position, 107th. So there's some special teams issues there where other teams are, are taking advantage of really good field position against them. And they're 94th on third and fourth down uh, success. So there's a couple areas that I think these teams match up well. Um, for Texas, their their offense or their defense rather is 43rd against the pass, so relatively better than their overall 65th EPA number. Um, Baylor's offense is 23rd against uh, 23rd in the pass, but they they really have been rushing a lot. They're 86th in early downs rush rate, so really relying on Abraham Smith and Tristan Abram Smith, excuse me, and Tristan Ebner, two great running backs, to kind of spread things out in that wide zone with Jeff Jeff Grimes. Um, I think that Texas is going to want to test Gary Bohannon. I think that they believe that he um, has been coddled and and hasn't really been challenged. And so it'll be interesting to see how Texas tries to exploit that, uh, even as they don't really have the guys they want on on defense there. Uh, on the flip side, Texas's offense has been 50th in EPA per pass. Baylor is 22nd. So that, that advantage on offense, I think Casey Thompson on the flip side is going to be rattled against this really, really good Baylor defense. Watch for what Baylor does with Jalen Petrie. Um, he's kind of, they, they call him the the Jack. Some people call it the star. Oklahoma State calls it the cowboy. It's the whatever guy. He's a freak athlete who can be a defensive end or a safety or a cornerback, depending on what you need him. Where they put him, whether he brings pressure, who he's matched up against, and how he attacks Bijan Robinson will kind of determine the flow of this game because I think Baylor's offense has shown they can situationally move the ball pretty well. And their defense, of course, with Aranda is, is going to be great. Uh, I really think this game comes down to can Texas find a way to get Bijan Robinson the ball enough to move against Baylor. And if they can't, can they punish Baylor for overcommitting to Bijan Robinson? That's uh, I actually wrote down key to the game. I said, uh, if Texas cannot run with Bijan Robinson, can Casey Thompson make plays through the air against this defense? And, you know, when I when I look at all the numbers and whatnot, and, and I go back and I've actually watched uh, uh, three Baylor games this year, so I need to watch more. Uh, there's... There's room for them to make explosive plays, but I think it, Dave Aranda is kind of known for baiting guys into uh, making mistakes through the air. Like I, I don't know that Casey Thompson will be able to read uh, a defense before the snap and know exactly what they're going to do. They do a whole lot of adjusting uh, after after the ball is snapped. So I'm I'm very curious about it, Kyle. I uh, this one seems like it could get pointsy. Um, but we shall see. I mean, I, we're, we're talking a lot about defenses here, but these are still two offenses that are explosive, that can that can move the ball. You know, 61 and a half. Uh, tell, me, tell me your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I like the over a good amount in this one. In fact, this might be my favorite play of the ones that we talk about here today. Um, Texas has really picked up their pace a lot of late. You know, I like to look at recency when it comes to tempo because you can kind of key in on some things that um, it takes some time for the books to adjust to sometimes. So, you know, Texas has played about two and a half seconds per play quicker in their last three games. And that doesn't sound like a big deal, but you get quite a few more snaps over the course of the game when you're playing that much quicker. Texas ranks 12th in the nation in yards per play on offense. I think Thompson's been pretty good. Um, Bajon Robinson, the star of the team, obviously, he's been doing some major damage. 
You know, on the other side, I can't believe how good Bohannon has been for Baylor. He's been tremendous all year. I agree with what Parker has said today and in the past that this offensive staff has done a really good job putting him in uh, positions to be successful because I don't think Bohannon is actually a great quarterback, but he's looked very good um, in this offense. It certainly helps that the offensive line has been ex extremely good. Fifth, uh, top five in the nation in pass blocking and run blocking grades. So really, really good. They're third in the nation in yards per play, which is probably a bit deceiving since they haven't played a very tough schedule. But you could also say on the other side, Baylor's defense, if you look down their list of teams that they've played this year, not a lot of great offenses on their on their list. So I would think Texas could move the ball here. It would surprise me if Baylor just totally um, shuts them down. Texas defense, 109th in yards per play allowed. Baylor's 35th. Like I said, I think they've played a pretty weak slate of offenses. Now, Baylor has given up big plays. Uh, 32 plays of 20 yards or more so far this year, and Texas has given up all sorts of big plays, 38 plays of 20 yards or more. I think there's going to be some explosive plays in this game. I always look like to look for that in a pretty high total, and 61.5, a fairly high total here in college football. But I, I think the Baylor offensive scheme is good enough that, you know, I mean, what kind of confidence can we have in Texas slowing them down? Uh, not very much for me. Uh, te Texas says... Uh, some pretty good talent on defense, but they haven't really been able to stop anybody. And, uh, you know, I just think this sets up well for a pretty high-scoring game. So I'm going to take the over. I can uh, Can I, can I, can I jump that. back in, Gary? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes. We need a better – I should I should hold up an index card or something and say – No, you're good. Uh, I, do love, I do love this because uh, what, what Kyle said, I don't think I elaborated enough on that, and I really like when this happens. So Kyle mentioned that Baylor gives up uh, – has given up some big plays. They've largely been through the rush. Baylor, uh, on defense – 38th in rushing success rate, but 76th in rushing EPA. So they absolutely are susceptible to the big rush. That is interesting to me because it's like Texas hasn't really been able to get the run going like we thought with B. John Robinson, even though it's been really good. Baylor, they get a little pointy in the run game on defense. That seems like an opportunity that, that, that Texas could potentially, if Texas wins this game, it will be because they find a way to exploit Baylor's run defense. That totally, totally makes sense. Um, Jerry jumped in on the chat, by the way. He said, unless the quarterback play improves for Texas, Baylor will blow them out. 48 to 21, people will be calling for Sark to step down. Uh, Sark is halfway through his first season. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry go outside, man. <laughs> Jerry, we absolutely love you, man. Uh, bringing it. in all sorts of people in the chat, by the way. Fresco, uh, Trey, Jerry, of course, Steven, Robert, Big Trouble Jack, all you guys, uh, PT Matt, all of you guys. We uh, we appreciate you for jumping in. We got two more games, and then we are going to hit the Q&A. So let's, uh, oh, let's go ahead and make this one official, by the way. We do have one official play on Texas and Baylor, and Kyle is going to roll with the over, 61 and a half. Uh, I got to reel this thing back in, make sure it doesn't go off the rails here. Uh, but yes, over 61 and a half. Like I said, we got two more to go. Go ahead and like the video. Uh, again, I still see uh, a whole bunch of people watching, and not as many have liked the video. So go ahead and do us that favor. Make sure and click the like button and subscribe to the channel. We are moving to a Conference USA game that I'm sure all of you are just on the edge of your seats waiting to see. Louisiana Tech heads over to Virginia to face off against Old Dominion. And Louisiana Tech is the four-point road favorite total of 52 and a half uh you know what kyle i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you out of this one i know that you have no desire to even mess with these i don't even know why uh, i made a play on it um but 
<laughs> but uh, this is only the second meeting between these two teams. Uh, Old Dominion won the, in 2014, 30-27 here, so not a whole lot of betting trends to go with on this one. Louisiana Tech 3-4 and four against the spread thus far this season. Uh, their overs have hit at a 5-2 uh, to two clip, so five overs and two unders thus far on the season. Old Dominion 4-3 and three against the number, and their, uh, the unders have hit uh, four times and three for the over for them. Old Dominion's past defense uh, only has three interceptions, and they have given up 18 touchdowns. Uh, Austin Kendall for Louisiana Tech, the quarterback, which version of him shows up? It, it, it seems like a crapshoot every single week, but there are some vulnerabilities with this Old Dominion team. Uh, Parker, let me go on and get uh, your thoughts here. Uh, this Old Dominion secondary uh, could have some issues on Saturday. Absolutely. And and I think that Old Dominion has really had a, a, a rough slate since they played FCS Hampton. They've gone consecutive weekends. This will be their sixth consecutive game. And they've at Liberty versus Buffalo at UTEP at Marshall and Western Kentucky. Um, they've played some of those games close. But man, that's just that is a that's a rough slate for a team that's not very good. Um, I think that Louisiana Tech has showed us this year at times that they can pop off a few points. Um, that was a little earlier on in the season. As of late, that's cooled down some, but UTEP's defense is really good. They only scored three points. UTSA is a very good team, and they only scored 16. I think that this is a get-right game for, for Austin Kendall, um, and I think that the matchup here, the complementary parity in the matchup is really, really nice. Um, again, Louisiana Tech, no rushing game to speak of, 59th EPA per pass, uh, whereas uh, Old Dominion is 65th in EPA per pass. On, on offense, Old Dominion just has absolutely um, absolutely nothing. Uh, they are 82nd overall. And um, Louisiana Tech passing the ball 25th most in the nation on early downs. I think that Kendall's maturity, uh, that Louisiana Tech's uh, passing ceiling, even if it hasn't been there kind of every game, is uh, going to be more than enough here to, to win this game by uh, a, a comfortable margin. So I like Louisiana Tech's passing upside. I think Old Dominion's gotten beaten down a little bit. And after playing UTEP and UTSA, I think this is a get-right game for the Bulldogs. I'm, I'm going trouble. with Louisiana Tech. I'd get down with that. Big Trouble Jack uh, jumped in. He did say, wow, the line dropped from six and a half. Yeah, it opened uh, a little bigger, and, and I was a little concerned about it early because my line on this is actually Louisiana Tech minus nine, and, you know, I was I was shocked to see that, and, and again, Old Dominion has kept some of these games close, right? Uh, but if you go and look at post-game win expectancy, they were not really as close. Like, they were they were kind of lucky to keep some of these as close as they did. Um, you know, I, I look at these numbers, net points per drive, Louisiana Tech is number 92, Old Dominion number 116. Uh, Louisiana Tech has been in tighter games with better competition. Right. And now some of these, you know, they got smacked around by UTEP, got smacked around by uh, UTSA, et cetera. But they were in it with NC State. They were in it with Mississippi State. They, you know, they have done some really good things this year uh, and have almost pulled off multiple upsets. SMU at home, 39-37 loss on a Hail Mary, uh, which depends on the definition of Hail Mary. Uh, but either way, Louisiana Tech, I think, is is a better team than what they have shown when Austin Kendall went out. Uh, they they did not play well. Now that he is back, uh, I think it's taken him a little bit. But like you said, I think this is a get-right game. So let's go ahead and make it an official play for both of us. Uh, Kyle is going to sit this one out, and I can understand that because, whew. But, uh, but we see value here. Louisiana Tech, minus four. Parker and I are both going to roll with the Bulldogs, um, the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, of course, uh, instead of the Monarchs. So 
Let's uh, let's move on to the last game. And hey, we talked about this being a Big Ten heavy show. Uh, why not close out on a Big Ten matchup again? Minnesota heading to Northwestern. This is 3:30 p.m. Eastern time, and the Wildcats, a seven and a half point underdog at home, total of 43 and a half. Minnesota and Northwestern last played in 2019. Of course, last year COVID shortened season. Uh, Minnesota 38 to 20 in 2019. Minnesota is one three and one against the spread and only two and three straight up their last five against Northwestern. So Pat Fitzgerald kind of knows what he's doing against the Gophers for whatever reason. Minnesota so far this season, four, two and one against the number, and they have hit three overs out of seven games. Northwestern two and five against the number, and they have also hit three overs in seven games. Uh, guys, how on earth? Did this Minnesota team lose at home to Bowling Green? I looking at what Minnesota has done since that game. It, it's one of the most bizarro things I have ever seen in my life. Kyle, I want to start off with you first. Uh, Minnesota has has figured out a a method to the madness here. They're running the ball seventy percent of the time in their last three games. Uh, Northwestern, their last three opponents are running the ball 61% of the time for 5.6 yards per carry. You know, give me give me your thoughts on uh, on the Wildcats and the Gophers here. Yeah, guys, um, I think this is an interesting handicap, and it's a bit tricky for me, so I'm not going to make an official play on this one or anything, but some of my quick thoughts on this one. Uh, these two teams have been really known for defense in the past. They've been uh, good defensive teams, especially Northwestern. Um, they're 12th and 13th in the Big Ten in yards per play allowed so far this year. So it's interesting to see a total set this low. Obviously, that means uh, they're playing slowly. They're running the football a lot. And neither offense is that great, obviously. So uh, one concern I would have about taking Northwestern in this game is Tanner Morgan has played quite a bit better in these last few games. I mean, it's hard to believe um, his PFF grades of 78.1, 89.1, 69.4 in the last three games against Nebraska, Purdue, and Maryland. After that, I don't like Gary said, I have no idea what happened in that game against Bowling Green, especially when we see what Bowling Green has done since then, because maybe they look like maybe they were kind of decent. And now it looks like they're actually not very good again. So the thing that does uh, worry me is Northwestern. Is this run defense actually as bad as they've looked? I know uh, it was a pathetic effort against Nebraska, 6.24 yards per carry allowed in the Big Ten. They looked better in their last game there against Rutgers. Have they fixed their issues? The positive about taking Northwestern in this one, uh, Pat Fitzgerald is a wizard. Uh, this guy's a really good head coach. Uh, really like him a lot. You know, one of my favorite coaches in the country. He finds ways to cover spreads as an underdog. He's not quite Bill Snyder, but, you know, he kind of reminds me of that type of, uh, you know, you see him as an underdog and somehow his team covers when they're not as talented as the other team and it looks like they have no business. And then sometimes they pull the outright upset. Fitzgerald 45, 33, and one against the spread in his last 79 as an underdog. So they've been good to bet on as an underdog. I'm going to pass on this game, but I'm I'm looking forward to see what Parker has on this one. Uh, Parker, I uh, I always like getting your opinion on different stats and whatnot. I have one for this game. Uh, Northwestern, not not necessarily for the game, but just overall. Northwestern is averaging 24.8 points per game in games on grass. And they're only averaging seven points per game on turf. Now, this game is on grass. Does that have anything to do uh, with which way you're going to lean in this ballgame? <laughs> you know, 
One of the reasons I really got into stats growing up, we're going so long, I can make this fast, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm an 80-year-old man. Back in my day, you know, you'd see those stats, it's like, uh, you know, John Smith is the third leading rusher on Tuesdays when his team wears green at home. You're like, okay, well, how many times has John Smith played on Tuesday wearing green at home relative to everyone? And so I think that turf grass thing, especially in college football, there's not as much variation, maybe something to it in the NFL, especially like with a dome college football, uh, not, not, not as strong an effect for me. Uh, just, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't studied it, uh, empirically. So I don't, I don't hundred percent know. Um, the reason that I like this is because I, I like what Kyle said about um, about Pat Fitzgerald. I feel like the shoe has to drop for uh, Minnesota. And and my stat, I think, that really makes me think that the Pat Fitzgerald effect might take over here is that in the Nebraska game, Adrian Martinez, complete blowout. Adrian Martinez only rushed for 50 yards. And, and his scrambling is really one of his biggest abilities. And so I think what happened in that game uh, is that Northwestern was kind of able to contain him scrambling and they overplayed their hand and got exposed. I don't know that Minnesota is as multidimensional, not not a statement of quality, just a statement of of versatility on offense. And so I don't I do wonder if if uh, Northwestern will be able to stymie them a little bit more, especially Northwestern's defense, twenty fifth against the pass. Um, if they can make if they can take. Uh, you know, annoy Tanner Tanner Morgan. I think they have a good chance to keep this close. That that being said, I mean Northwestern's bad. They lost to Duke, um, but there there are some opportunities here. I think for for Northwestern to keep this in a annoying close game. Total of like forty three and a half. I I've got it a little bit towards the over, but I would stay away from the over. I still just think. Uh, the way both these teams play, 55th and 126th in early downs rush rate for both of these teams, I think the pace here means it's going to be a close game. I think Pat Fitzgerald's defensive ability means it's going to be a close game. And if you put, um, and if you kind of put on that idea of uh, what Minnesota has been doing may not be sustainable forever, this feels like the game where sure they might win this, but I don't think I don't think uh, seven and a half feels optimistic for Minnesota here. So uh, give me Northwestern in a close game. My my line on this was Minnesota minus four. Uh, so yeah, that's it, this just seemed like it might have been a little too much, a little bit of an overreaction uh, to Northwestern getting blasted by Michigan last week. So let's go ahead and make it an official play. Parker is going to ride with the Northwestern Wildcats plus seven and a half, uh, and I can I can see it. I can see it. I'm going to pass on it. Kyle's going to pass on it, but we are certainly pulling for the purple here. <laughs> so let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the Q&A to wrap this up. Of course, you guys remember, jump into the chat, jump into the comments. We want to hear your picks for the week. Uh, this is the early slate show. Uh, so we do have, you know, Robert asking about Fresno State, San Diego State, SMU, Houston, Virginia, BYU. Uh, we'll be hitting uh, a couple of those tomorrow. So make sure and come back for the Thursday show at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so go ahead and uh, and make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you are not. Robert, I, I figure you are. You're in here frequently. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, so uh, there was one question here, uh, Texas State and Louisiana. And that was not one that I was expecting. So let me see if I can find uh, what the current line is. Or uh, Kyle, do you happen to have that one pulled up by chance? It looks like Louisiana by 21 or 21 and a half. 21. I think that's grown a little bit. I think it was like 19 or 19 and a half when it opened. Um, and my line on it da, 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 was actually, well, it was 20. So I, it, Louisiana is such a weird football team um 
because they have all the tools to be able to blow out basically everybody. It's just are they uh, – well, everybody that's on their schedule anyway. As we saw, they destroyed App State, what, 41-14, to 41-7, whatever it was. Um, Louisiana is a strange team to handicap because if they are not uh, fully into the game mentally, then they can get into really close games like we saw with South Alabama, et cetera. And yet you do have games like against App State where – they come out, they feel maybe a little disrespected because of the line or whatever people are saying or whatever it is, and and they are fully bought in and invested in the ball game, and they can blow somebody out. Uh, it, there's no reason why they should not be able to cover 21, 21 and a half against Texas State. However, Jake Spavital, desperate mode. Uh, this team has a lot of transfers. They're an older team. Texas State can do some crazy things, and, and they – they run. It's not trick plays per se, uh, Parker. You know, maybe you can help out with this a little bit with with Spavital in that offense. Um, it's not trick plays, but they do some crazy stuff that can catch teams off guard. Uh, you know, I, I don't have a lean here necessarily, um, but this this does seem like an opponent that certainly Louisiana could could let in the ball game, right? Yeah, I mean, five one-score uh, one games out of seven games this, this year for Texas State. Um, and they are definitely, I mean, they're they're slinging the ball. Uh, 49% early downs rush rate is 36 in the nation. Um, they, they really aren't great at anything on offense or on defense. Uh, you know, with an offense that passes that much, you would be interesting to kind of see how they can attack Louisiana's defense, actually 87th against the pass. Um, and so they, they were very disruptive against App State, for instance. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that kind of translates. Uh, I, I think that Louisiana State, or excuse me, Louisiana is just going to be happy to run the ball and, and take the win here. 21 seems like a whole lot of points. I have this as a comfortable victory, but more in the more in the two score range, not the three score range for me. And so um, I'm, I'm staying away from it because uh, that, that, that just seems like way too many points. And Texas State has played people close all year. Uh, Kyle, we had a, a question in the chat from Trey. He wants to know about Miami and Pitt, uh, and I do believe that's a, yeah, that's a noon game. Pitt currently a nine-point favorite coming off of a, a pretty massive win against Clemson, which I'm, I'm not sure how much longer we'll be able to call those massive wins against Clemson, but but for now, uh, it's still pretty big for that program and what uh, Kenny Pickett and that bunch are doing. You know, nine points here, I when I initially saw the line, my initial line on this was seven. And then you go back and you start digging through some of the numbers and whatnot. And I, I kind of thought that Pitt maybe should have been uh, an even bigger favorite. But the line started moving back the opposite direction towards Miami. You got any kind of feel on the Hurricanes and, uh, and the Panthers here? Yeah, I think this is a difficult spot for Pitt coming off that big win. So um, I also see Narduzzi's teams as a team that I'd rather bet as an underdog or at least a small favorite than I would delay a lot of points with. Uh, we know that Kenny Pickett's been tremendous, so Pitt has been able to score a lot this year. Tempo-wise, pretty quick. I would lean to the over in this game. As far as the side, um, I don't want to bet this game as far as the side, so I'm not even going to give a lean here. I, I think that the over could be a good look if you think Miami can score enough. I think both teams will play quick enough, and I expect Pickett to have a good game. But I don't have the numbers right in front of me now, but I know Narduzzi has not made money uh, betting on him as a favorite. So I, I'd be cautious laying too many points with him. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback for uh, for Miami, has been pretty good uh, since he took over. And, you know, they've been putting up points. They got a big win last week. You know, is there a hangover effect for both teams in this regard? Who knows? I'm I'm not touching it. I am staying away from that one. Um, 
I think that's gonna I think that's gonna get us out of the Q and A for today. Again, toss in comments and everything for tomorrow's show. If there are games that you want us to hit on, we will certainly do that at the end of the Thursday show as well. Again, going live at 12 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, so let's go ahead and do a recap of our official plays for today's show. And uh, we we got a few of them. We have got a few. It kind of filled up the board a little bit. Uh, but we're feeling good. Parker is going to ride with Wisconsin minus three and a half against Iowa. He likes Michigan State plus four against the Wolverines. He likes Louisiana Tech minus four, and he's got Northwestern plus seven and a half. I am going to ride with Navy on a weeknight plus 11 at Tulsa. I am also going to take Michigan State plus four. I like the under 42 in Rutgers, Illinois, and I am also going to ride with Louisiana Tech minus four. Kyle has got three totals for us, and I like all these. I do. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State under 50, Indiana, Maryland under 49 and a half, and Texas, Baylor over 61 and a half. Uh, this looks like a winning card to me, fellas. I don't know about y'all, but uh, but I'm feeling good about this weekend. I think we're going to have some more big ones tomorrow. Uh, another fabulous slate. So, uh, let's go ahead and and knock this thing out. Go ahead and remind everybody to like the video for us. There's still a ton of people watching live. Uh, not as many likes on the video. So go ahead and like that video for us. Make sure you are subscribed. Again, hit the notification bell. Going live again tomorrow for the afternoon and evening slate of games at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And, uh, and share out the show. Tell your friends about it. Jump into the comments. Tell us what your picks are. We want to hear your opinions on the week. Uh, see if you can do better than us. Maybe we should start doing maybe some kind of contest, like giveaways. If you can beat us and beat our picks, um, and, and not just picking opposite of us, like picking different games. <laughs> but either way, either way, we want to hear what you think about these games. Um, you know, I, I feel like maybe the uh, maybe BetUS is going to tell us to stop coming up with ideas in the middle of the show. I should probably stop doing that. Regardless. Share the show out. Tell your friends about it. Uh, good gracious. And sign up over at BetUS, where the game begins. Go to BetUS.com. Put in the promo code NCAAF2021. You will get a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. And again, it is sportsbook exclusive. There is not a better deal on the planet. Go ahead and take advantage of this. It's going to be awesome. Go to BetUS.com and sign up. Gentlemen, I believe... That that is going to be it. Go over my notes, make sure everything's good. Yep, we're good to go. For BetUS, where the game begins, we will see you all again on Thursday.